able to share his word. Amen. Amen. If you would go with me in your Bibles to the book of second, excuse me, uh, the book of James. The book of James chapter number five. James chapter five. We want to read for your hearing this morning verses 15 and 16. James chapter 5 verses 15 and 16. And you find it, say amen. amen. If you need a moment, say hold on. James 5 15 reads, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Verse 16 says, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. You may be seated. The effectual, fervent Prayers of a righteous man or woman availeth much. Church, I just want to share this word with you this morning. It's praying time. It's, it's praying time. I, as the Lord gave me this word, I, I, I meditated and I, and, you know, you, you, you want to, to bring forth a, a subject or, or a topic that will uh, uh, be engaging or, or will be new and, 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 and have a fresh spin on it. But the Spirit of the Lord said, it's simple. It's praying time. It's time to pray. Yes. And then when I, when, I, when I heard that from the Lord, I, I, in my spirit, I, I begin to think about you know, athletics, you know, for, for about nine years, I coached my sons at recreation basketball and I played sports growing up and, and I watched sports. I'm an avid watcher of basketball. And, and many times when the team is about to go out and, and, and play, uh, they have a channel, they have something. And I remember when uh, I was a teenager and, and I would watch the, the, the Bulls and, and they would sometimes they would show their huddle before they broke and, and, and they would get in there and they'd be like, what time is it? Game time. And that one was in my spirit when I heard it's praying time. I heard, what time is it? It's praying time. And not, and not from the perspective that, that we're worried and we're afraid and we're like trembling. We got to pray. But it's like that God is saying it's, it's time for the church to get into action. You've been sitting on the sideline. Uh, you've been on the bench. You've been waiting. Uh, you've been practicing and preparing and, and you've been praying for healing for your family and you've been praying for the new job and, and you've been praying for your child. But, but now we have a world epidemic on our hands. We have, have something that's bigger than Madison Heights. We have something that's bigger than rebirth. We have something that's bigger than your family. We have, we have the government telling that it is a national state of emergency. See, the governor is saying that things are so bad, we're so worried that we're telling the kids to stay home, don't go to school. And, and so, church, mm -hmm. it's praying time. Yes. 
Uh, church is it, no longer time to sit on the sideline. It, it, it's no longer time to just sit there and, and say, okay, somebody else is going to pray. But you got to engage yourself in praise. See, because during these, these times, we are, we are searching for direction and we're searching for answers. And what we are getting from the world is, is driving us to buy all the toilet paper we can find. It's driving us to, to scoop up all the bottles of water we can, can muster. And that's, that's what we're getting. That's, that's what we're, we're getting. We're looking for answers and they're telling us buy all the toilet paper. And I still have not yet came to an understanding as to why toilet paper is the most vital commodity in a time like this. I'm struggling. I've asked many people who are smarter than me and we still can't quite put our finger on but I digress. So in these times we are looking for and searching for answers, and we're looking to the news, we're looking to social media, we're trying to find, find direction. But the question that I pose to you this morning is, but what is God telling us to do? If he's telling you to go get toilet paper, go. But what is God telling us to do? What are the answers we are finding in his word? What is God saying through his church? What, what is God saying through his messengers? The men and the women that God speaks through that, that you know have, have, have the ear to hear from the Lord and, and, and have a heart to share what God is saying. What are they saying? What is the church saying? Because it, now is not the time for the church to be silent. Now is not the time where God will be silent because God is speaking. And he is who, who we are to be listening to. And so what is God saying? And, and the spirit of the Lord is saying to me, and what I heard in my spirit is, is pray. Yes. Because when we pray to God, uh, we normally have reason to pray. We have a reason to pray right now, beloved. Uh, uh, we, we normally pray when times are troubling. Yes. Now we're, times are troubling. We normally pray when there is sickness in our body or sickness in those that we love or care about. There, there's sickness all around. We usually pray when there is a storm uh, that we're in or a storm we can see brewing or, or, or something happening. And now, beloved, there is a, a mighty storm. And so we have to, have to pray. Simply when we consider the, the word prayer and we look at the definition, we understand that, that in its simplest form, it is the act of communicating with a deity, especially as a petition or an adoration or contrition or thanksgiving. It is simply earnestly or urgently making a request known to a deity. And when we think about the word effectual, uh, it simply says to us that it something is producing or able to produce a desired effect. 
then when we read the scripture, we James used a word fervent. It's not a word that we normally use in our current 21st century uh, dialect, but 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 fervent, beloved, is exhibiting or or being marked by great intensity or feeling. So James submits to us through his text that we are to call on God and make an urgent request or an earnest request unto the Lord uh, that will produce a desired effect and do it with a sense of, of, of earnest or a sense of intensity or a feeling believing that God will do it and having a great confidence in his ability to perform that which we have lifted up unto him. And I don't know about you, but that sounds like the kind of prayer that we need in this time. Yes. That, that we don't need uh, a prayer uh, that, that, that we normally pray just because that's what we usually do. Like, you know, when you sit down to eat. Oh, when you come together and you have a, a, a just a, a prayer that you pray because this is what we do, but you're not necessarily trying to invoke God to do anything different. You're just saying, God, if you continue to do what you've been doing as a result of this prayer, I've been lifting up, then I'm okay with that. But see, these are not times where, God, we need God to do what he's been doing. We need God to do something greater than. Because I believe that God has allowed this to happen so that he may show himself in a greater and more powerful way. God has given the church an opportunity to be able to show that, yeah, you thought we were sleeping. Uh, you thought that we were focused on trying to make mega ministries and, and try to build buildings and, and try to uh, make ourselves famous and, and see who can get the next nice car and who can have the sharpest suits. But, but understand that's not what we really ought to do. Uh, you thought we were missing the mark and we had hung up our sword, but now is the time that we take our sword down. Now is the time that we jump into action and start being who God called us to be. Prayer warriors. Working for the upbuilding of God's kingdom, tearing down the strongholds of the enemy. For our weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but spiritual wickedness in high places. For what we see is not really what we're fighting, but what we don't see is what we're fighting. And how do we fight a fight in the spirit realm? Prayer. like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Uh, it's not an enemy that you can take in the back alley and, 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 and put hands on him. Uh, but you can spiritually uh, put hands on him. Amen. Uh, you can spiritually bind him up. You can spiritually tear him down. You can spiritually uh, block his advances through prayer. Uh, by praying and tapping into the power of prayer. Hallelujah. Tapping in, allowing the spirit to use you for what your purpose is. And use the authority that Christ has given you. Amen. Amen. And so James, he invokes this as he's writing to the church. And as he has given instruction uh, 
to the believers, he, he begins to tap into uh, the, the, the revelation that they have, they have what they need to deal with what they're facing. And scholars believe that the book of James could perhaps be the first New Testament book written in AD 40 or AD 50. And, and so, so this particular writing, beloved, could have been one of the primary texts that the early church used for direction and for instruction. And so in verse number 13, uh, we find that James says this. He asks the question, he says, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15, he says, such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed sins, you will be forgiven. Verse 16 says, confess your sins each to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayers of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So James says, listen, if these things are happening in your life, there is an answer. He said, if you are sick, pray. If you are experiencing hardships, pray. If you are happy, the answer is give praises unto the Lord. If you have sickness in your body, the answer is call the elders, have them lay hands on you and pray in the name of Jesus and you will be made well. But after he says this, he gives them evidence of the power of a righteous man or woman praying unto the Lord. Pastor, what do you mean? Well, he says that the, the fervent, earnest prayers of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. But he didn't want to make this statement without giving them an evidence from the text, an evidence but from God's word that they are familiar with. So in verse number 17, he says this, Elijah was a human as we are. He said, Elijah was a human being. He was a man just like you and I are. He said there was nothing uh, uniquely different about the makeup of Elijah. He had the same human DNA, the same human characteristics. He had the same human limitations and the same human physical abilities. But hear this. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. He said because he was human, it wasn't his power or his ability that made this happen. He said, but because he prayed earnestly that there would be no rain, none fell for three and a half years. In verse 18, he says, then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield crops. He said, because of his connection with God and because he knew the power of prayer, because he was connected to God, he prayed earnestly, he prayed with power, he prayed believing that his prayer would be effectual and effective to produce the results that he believed God was able to do according to the will that God had revealed to him, and it came to pass. Came to pass. So, beloved, as, 
As James uses this example, as James encourages us to respond accordingly, we must consider the times that we are in because we are in times that prayer is needed. But as I said from the beginning, we don't just need to pray just to pray. We need to pray with power and authority so that we will have an effect upon what is happening. See, we don't just need to pray to say we pray. We don't need to pray to say we checked it off the list. We don't need to pray just to say, okay, we did our part. But we need to pray fervently with power, with intensity, so that it will have effect. And so how do we activate the power within our prayer life? How do we activate the power that's encapsulated in, in our prayer life? Well, the first thing, beloved, we must, we must understand is that, that when we pray, our prayer must be submitted in faith. We must have the faith in the one we're praying to. That's right. That he is well able to answer the prayer that we're submitting. Uh-huh. See, if we submit our prayer amiss, if we submit our prayer without the confidence or the faith or the trust or the supreme uh, 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 confidence that he has the power, the willingness, and the ability to do it, we're just talking. We're not going to produce results in our lives. Hebrews 11 and 16 says this, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. This word used here for believe is is pistoio. It means I believe, have faith and trust in, I am entrusted with. So he says it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who comes to him must have trust in God, have uh, have faith in the fact that God exists and that he is a rewarder to them who sincerely seek him. So in order for us to please God, In order for us to release God to do what we're praying for him to do, in order for God to respond uh, in a positive way to the requests we are making known unto him, we must have faith and believe that he is God, right? That he is supreme in all of his ways. That he has all power. We must believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is the almighty God. The great I am. And that he will reward those who seek him sincerely. That is the foundation, beloved. It is not, can I string my words together? It's not, can I get excited? It's not, do I have the ability to add melody to my words? And none of those things matter. It's not, how many people can I gather together in the room? And and how many hands can I touch? And did I I, I, I put oil on my hands? And and did I I kneel and pray? Or did I stand? Did I go to an argument? It's not any of that. If you don't first believe that God is able. If you don't first believe that he is God and that he is greater than the circumstance, if you don't believe that he is greater than what you're facing, then 
Your prayer is not going to be powerful. It's not going to be effective. And it's not going to produce any results. But not only do we need faith as we pray, but we also must recognize that we must release and confess our sins in our prayer. Because God will not bless us the way he wants to if we have unconfessed sins. Second Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14 says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways that I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. So God says, he says, listen, if my people who are called by my name, those that are connected to me, those that, that, that have aligned their lives with me, those that are covered in the blood of my son Jesus, because see, now we're talking about New Testament, right? And so those that are covered in the blood, those that are, 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 are a part of his family, he said, if my people, if they will humble themselves, right? Humility, surrender, recognizing that I don't have it. I can't do it. The toilet paper, the, the, the Lysol, the, 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 the Purell and Clorox wipes, all those things, yeah, they're good to, to kill the germ. But I recognize that, that even if I do all of that, I still got to believe God got me. Because Lysol said they kill 99.9%. So if that point one percent want to get you, praise be God, right? If, if, if God is going to allow Corona to get in your home, to, to get in your body, it, it could happen, right? But God is still a healer, right? God is still a God is still protecting. So understand, I got to humble myself and say, God, I can do all this. But I still got to trust you. I can do all this, but none of that matters if I don't surrender to you, God. Because I can't, I can't do it all. You know, I can clean up all my house, but, but if, I, if I walk outside, right, I, can, I can disinfect my kids when they walk in the door. But if I miss the book bag or, or if, if I miss... The, the lunch pail inside the bag. You know what I'm saying? It's like un, we, we have to sort of humble ourselves, pray and seek my face, God's face. And he says, turn from their wicked ways. Understand, beloved, my, my point was that we have to confess our sins. God says it right here. He says wicked ways, yes, sinful ways, the, the things that, that we do under the, the leading and guiding of our own flesh, the, the things that we do and we, we choose to do that we know are not in God's will for us. Pastor, how do you know that wicked ways are sin? Because he says, I he said, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins. He said, I'll forgive their sins if they humble themselves and turn. So, beloved, we have to recognize that, that as we are praying, as we are praying for the nation, as we're praying for our communities, as we're praying that God protects and heals and God allows the church to be the answer to these problems that we're facing, we must realize that part of it, we have to personally repent. 
Because the Bible uses sickness as a metaphor for sin from Genesis to Revelation. It uses sickness as a representation of sin. And see, God wants to restore his people to himself. He provides reconciliation to us if we will humble ourselves through repentance and seek him earnestly. And the wonderful thing about the God that we serve, the God that knows our name, the God that loves us, is that he takes the initiative by asking us to turn from our wicked ways and seek him so we may experience his healing forgiveness. That's the wonderful thing about the God that we serve. God says, he says, listen, if you do these things, I'm giving you the answers to the test because I want you to ace it. Right? I love those teachers. I, in school, I love those teachers that they're not the ones that wanted to fail me, the ones that was trying to make us fail the test, but I, want, I love the ones that when they were so invested in our success, they said, look, it's not that I can make you fail, but can I teach you and make you know the information? So here's the information. Pass the test, right? It's like, here's, here's the answers. This is what I'm going to ask you on the test. Now pass it. So God says, listen, if you will humble yourself, turn from your wicked ways, if you would seek my face, I'll, I'll heal the land. I'll, I'll do these things for you. Right? And so understand that God wants us to ask for forgiveness that he may bless us the way he wants to bless us. And then we must recognize the fact that our prayers become effective because of the blood of Jesus. Our prayers don't become effective because we checked every box and we dotted every I across every T, that we went through some, some prearranged uh, step process. But we, it is because of the blood of Jesus that our prayers become effective. Ephesians 1 and 7 says this, In him we have redemption, that is our deliverance and salvation, through his blood which paid the penalty for our sin and resulted in the forgiveness and complete pardon of our sins in accordance with the riches of his glory. So God has pardoned us through his blood. God has forgiven us of our sins through the blood of his son, Jesus. And so Hebrews 10 and 19 says this, and so dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most heavenly, excuse me, most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Because of the blood of Jesus, we can go directly to God boldly and submit our petitions. We can go boldly before the throne of grace and say, God, this is what we need. We need you to release healing. We need you to release protection. We need you to release a great revival. We need you to release a spirit of, of turning back. Because there has been a great falling away from the church. You know, when I talk to other pastors who have larger ministries than, than, than mine, larger ministries than what we have, they're talking about, well, man, we're, we're plateauing. We're, we're having people leaving. We're having people falling away. We're, and they're not going everywhere. They're just, going, they're just falling away. And so it's, 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 it is, it has been, excuse me, a great falling away. But we're praying for a revival. We're praying that people will come back. We're praying that, that these things that are happening will pro prompt in them a desire for answers. Yes. And Jesus is the answer. Amen. 
So when we pray it, when we pray, we're not just praying, God, remove this scare, remove this virus, remove these restrictions, allow us to get back to life as usual. No, God, we don't want to get back to life as usual. God, let this be the, 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 the pivot point that transforms the life we were living into a life that we live for you, God. Let this be, let this be the, the, the catalyst that we needed to start witnessing. Let this be the thing that we needed to, to open up some doors, some, some ear doors, some, some hearts. Amen. We may have been witnessing. We may have been evangelizing. We may have been sharing. We may have been inviting people to come. Amen. And, and they didn't come and, and they, they, they turned to deaf ear or they said they would come and never showed up because things were just going well and they didn't feel like they needed. But God, now, yes. let this be the thing that, that opens their heart up to receive the invitation. Yes. Let this be the thing that makes them realize that they need yes. you, Jesus. And lastly, beloved, I need you to hear me. Our prayer must be fervent. It must be intense. It must be sincere. And it must have power. Verse 16b says this. It says, effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Effective prayers, effectual prayers is then it is prayers that are based on God's word. Praying the word of God to God produces results. Reminding God of his promises. See, when we know the promises that he has given and understand his character and the principles by which he works as he revealed it in his word, we can pray with confidence and authority knowing that our prayers will be answered. God gives us the answers to why we are to pray and what we are to pray to him in his word. He says, pray. These are the things that I said I will do. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake. God, you said you would never leave me. You said you would never forsake me. God, I feel alone in this thing. I feel like I don't have anybody else. But God, you said, right? See, when we pray the word of God to God, we, we have confidence that God, because many times we're praying and we're saying, God, I don't know what to pray for. I, I don't know the right formula. I don't know the right words to say that, that you know, the, the secret message is going to move you into action. It's the word of God. That's right. It's no secret hidden message. God has revealed himself to us through his word. So if you want to have effective prayers, pray the word of the Lord. But they must be fervent. Fervent prayer is putting your whole self, all of your attention, all of your mind, your will, your emotions on that thing that you're praying about. Praying with a focused mind. Praying with a focused spirit. This word fervent is a Greek word used, um, this is Greek word here, energo, that we get the, the word energy, Right? We get the word energy is to be at work or to work to do. So fervent, energized, it gives power to that which is being prayed for. When we pour and lean into it, when we pour our whole self into it, when we pour our whole heart into it, when we pour our whole mind into it. See, we have to be focused and we cannot allow our minds to drift. We cannot allow our hearts to start to, to, to gravitate to something else. But we have to lean in. 
If we want to see God's hand move, we got to lean in. God is not mad with mark whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If you believe that God has to move in this thing, if you believe that God, I need you to do this, and I can't let go of this thing until you move, until you do something, you got to lean into it. Put some power, some intensity, some passion, some fervor on that prayer. And I'm telling you, God will move. He's already moving. Because the church is praying. God's people are praying. These are times not for confusion. These are not times for for fear. These are not times for losing our minds. But these are times when we ought to pray. Pray fervently. Believe in what we're praying. Believe in the God who will answer our prayers. Confess our sins that God may be able to move past them. Forgive us of them and allow the passion and the fire that's on the inside to flow through our prayers. Because God is moving, beloved. This did not catch him by accident. But he is going to get the glory out of even this situation. Let us pray. Dear God, as we come before you, 